This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Good morning and welcome to our show. And we have a special guest today. We do. Just in time for Halloween. We've yeah. got Paul Oliver from the oh, Urban Oh, I thought Nature he had a mask Store. on. Oh, no, that is your face. <laughs> it really oh, okay. is him. <laughs> Good morning, guys. <laughs> Good morning, Paul. Yeah. Well, guys, before we get into it, can I do a little shout out to some folks here? Yeah. But of course, don't we always start with you <laughs> yes. saying well, hello to the world? Now, this might sound a little weird, but uh, uh, yesterday I was to the funeral of my late father-in-law, Lloyd Nyland, in uh, Waterloo, who, who was 101 years of age. Mm-hmm. He passed away on Monday, and at the funeral I met so many people who listen to this show and, and to AM740. Yeah. And I did promise a couple that I would. <laughs> so to the Johnstons with a T, good morning, and John McBride of Norman Street in Waterloo. There, I kept my promise. Well, I, you know, I like to do that. Yeah, I know you do. And, uh, you just like to just go fishing for Everybody's your friend. <laughs> All right, get to work There's on what is your job here, my undergardener. Oh, yes, okay. My, my job basically is to give out the phone number. So here we go. In Toronto, call 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and then if you're anywhere in the province, it is toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and uh, Charlie, you have your usual list of, of wants. upcoming events. Yes, yes, I do. But I will mention just right off the top my email address. Absolutely. Uh, so if you'd like to email me, particularly if you have a, f- a photograph that you want to share or a plant you want identified. Uh, the email address, very simple, mm-hmm. my first initial C, C for Charlie, dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. There you go. Very simple. Okay. Okay, a couple of announcements coming up. Uh, Monday, November 9th, the Asian Court Garden Club will be meeting at 8 o'clock in the evening at 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. This is the Knox United Christian Education Center. The speaker is Margaret Daly Plouf, though her topic was not yet determined. Everyone, of course, is welcome to join with this friendly bunch. And speaking of friendly bunches, and shout outs. I was at the Midland Horticultural Society this past Monday, and I will note, Frank, you were missed. All well now, isn't it? Yes. Many people in the in the audience were happy that I was there, but would have been even happier if you'd been there with me. The main thing is, did they roll out the red carpet, as you often demand? Well, they were pretty good at that. Yep, yep. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. But I said to them, if you had come along, we wouldn't have really spoken about gardening. I mean, <laughs> we would have true. talked about everything but. <laughs> Which I am like, one to do. You're yes, right. yes. Like your dry cleaner and, you know, whatever you did, <laughs> you know, the kind of toothpaste you bought yesterday. <laughs> Uh, okay, also happening this coming week, the Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society is meeting on Tuesday, November 3rd at 8 p.m. 
Stephen Biggs will be speaking on edibles in the urban garden. In his presentation, he'll show everyone how to have a visually stunning garden that we can eat. That sounds like a good idea. Meeting takes place at the McConaughey Senior Center, 10100 Young Street in Richmond Hill. And this is an annual event. The Centennial Greenhouses Conservatory is a hidden jewel. Have you ever been there, Paul? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to go there. 151 Elmcrest Road in Etobicoke. So it's not, it's like Rathburn and 427. So yeah, it's a bit outside the urban core, but it is such a jewel. Because Centennial Park is a huge park. That's where they had the big mountain of garbage that they turned into a a ski hill. They've also have a big track uh, and stadium there. But the conservatory is made up of multi tens of thousands of square feet of greenhouse. There's show. There's a show house. There's a tropical house. There's different houses. This time of year, it's all about the mums. The chrysanthemum mum, chrysanthemum show is on. Chrysanthemum mum, my mum's chrysanthemum show is on. Uh, now, it's right now, right through to the middle of November, the greenhouses are open every single day, 365 days a year. It's free admission, 10 to 5 every day. Just get just a little, if you're feeling a little down because it's raining or snowing mm-hmm. or windy or cold, just step into the greenhouses. You'll be transported to the tropics. If you can go now... This weekend, and actually tomorrow, special seminars on Ikebana flower arranging and bonsai. And you remember Stanley Rozak? He was, oh, we yes. had him on the <clears throat> show. A very passionate yes. uh, gardener with the city of Toronto. He's the guy who's put together all these mum displays, and he's grown over 150 mm-hmm. varieties of mums. And they're all over them, like spider mums and Japanese, all kinds of wacky mums, colors. And next weekend in honor of Remembrance Day and the 100th anniversary of the writing of In Flanders Fields, there is a monster poppy that will be on display. It's like a nine-foot-across poppy, all made out of red mums. Yeah, like literally each flower head is installed into foam. It's amazing. That's Stanley, man. He's he's something. You want to do a shout-out. Hey, Stanley, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for all your passion, Stanley. We appreciate it. So, all right, that's my announcements. Okay. What we have to do is take a short uh, break here. Yes. Uh, a number of our commercial sponsors want to get in on the act, Including too, you know. Paul, who is well, one of our commercial exactly. sponsors. Exactly. So he's going to double duty this particular show. Well, we'll come back and talk to Paul in just a moment, okay? Right. We do have to hear from some of the other folks. And we'll do that right here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Nice to have you along on this Saturday morning, uh, Halloween. Yes. And it's going to be a big night for the kids, and we've got all sorts of good things happening happening here on the show today. And gosh, there's a lot going on because the Zoomer show's on today yes, too. Yes, starts this at 10 o'clock this morning. And today is a 25-hour day, or technically tomorrow. Yeah. I love this this weekend. Get that extra hour <laughs> of sleep. Absolutely. You got it. We have callers on the line, and folks, we are coming to you mm-hmm. uh, first. But, Charlie, we've got a little special goodie Well, I would just package. want to, I mean, Paul Oliver has made the effort to come in here, and I warned everybody last week that he's coming. And we want to talk about birds or anything to do with, you know, wildlife in your gardens. Yeah. Now, um, Paul knows an awful lot. So if you've got questions, he's got answers. 
But he also has some gift certificates, which he would love to give away uh-huh. for a good story. So anything unusual that you can share with us, any bird or animal activity in your garden, preferably winter activity, just because that's what's coming. And, and give us a call. Share some of those fun stories. And Paul, like I said, is promising $25 gift certificates to good stories. Right now, I know that Dorothy, who is our first caller mm-hmm. coming up, she was initially calling up about <laughs> keeping hanging plants over winter. Now I suspect there's well, a bird story see. coming let's up. Well, you got... never know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good morning, Dorothy. Welcome to the Garden Show. Um, I don't know whether he, uh, the fellow got mixed up or not, but I'm not a first-time caller. Okay, oh, that's, that's fine. fine. No. I've called many times. Yes, we recognize your voice. Hi, Dorothy. I think, Sebastian, we're just asking if you were, but that's okay. Way you go. Well, my question today is, in the spring, I bought these New Guinea flower baskets, Mm -hmm. and I got six of them, Mm. and they're still in bloom, Mm. and I would like to bring them in and maybe keep them over winter. Would they still bloom? Uh, Probably hard to do. Number one, six of them is a lot. Uh, number two, bringing them in is a dramatic change from the outdoors right now. The light levels will be lower. The temperature, of course, will be quite different, warmer, and it's much, it's, it's dry in our homes. Very, very big lack of humidity in the winter in our homes. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll find those plants will defoliate fairly quickly and shrivel up and die. Oh. But it's worth a try. I don't know if I'd try and bring in all six. I'd probably pick the healthiest. I keep all six. I'd yeah. just keep maybe one. One or two. Yeah, t- pick the best ones. Try bringing them in. Of course, put them in the brightest spot, right in the window of the brightest window you've got. Be careful you don't overwater, but at the same time, uh, you know, you'll have to check them daily, keep them tidy. They're going to drop some leaves. Don't panic. Just yeah. continue to care for them as best you can and see how it goes. But your t- oh, do I fertilize it or anything? Nope. No, it's going to slow down. It's no fertilizing in the winter. The plants naturally slow down, and you've got to let them slow down. So, you, like I said, some leaves are going to drop. You may even have to do some pruning because the whole plant is going to go into a bit of a shock when it goes indoors. But if they change in, in, in um, size from what they are now? Well, they're not going to get bigger. They're going to get smaller before they get bigger. Oh. Okay. As long as they bloom, it's fine. Okay. All right. Thanks, All right. Dorothy. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay. Dorothy. Good luck Thank with that. Thank you indeed. And, uh, well, let's go to a place I was yesterday, yes. as a matter of fact, Waterloo. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to uh, the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Hello. Good yes, morning. Hello. Uh, good morning, Charlie. Uh, uh, we are not gardeners. <laughs> And, uh, but uh, we have a, uh, we had an uh, apple we have an apple tree, uh, and it had uh, quite a bit of apples this year. And my husband thinks that if he pushes all those apples near the trunk of the tree, uh, the, it'll be so much better for the the tree nutrients. He says. Mm. You okay. Know, it, would that be true? <laughs> well, truly, there is good nutrient in the apples. However, pushing them up against the trunk of the tree wouldn't be the optimal location. I can to see put Paul them. across the desk <laughs> here shaking his head. <laughs> well, ahead. you know, well, yeah. do you want do you want to jump in, Paul? Um, yeah, because my sister company, besides Urban Nature Store, is actually TreeHelp.com. Oh, right. So uh, we do a lot of tree care. Mm-hmm. Uh, work more in the United States than in Canada. But uh, one of the things that people often forget about is they think all the nutrients and watering should be at the trunk of the tree. 
mm-hmm. whereas the roots actually extend out to oh. the ends of the branches, and that's actually where they're picking up most of the nutrients and water. So that's actually where they should be doing most of their watering, mm-hmm. and also if they're doing their fertilizing mm-hmm. there. I'm not sure that the apples, uh, the apples are going to provide some nutrients, but I'm not sure breaking down and decaying on my, on my yard is yeah, the optimum thing. Yeah, I was going to say, they're going to attract an awful lot of mice and, and rats insects. and <laughs> insects and ants and God knows what. And the last thing you want is a family of whatever little nasties <clears throat> living at the base of the trunk of the tree because, of course, they're going to slide in under the bark and climb up and potentially damage the tree. Great to keep the apples. I mean, if you have a place to compost them, you know, even a corner of the yard, mix them up with some leaves and some soil and leave them for the winter. And yes, you'll get some lovely compost for next spring to then add to the gardens or around the drip line of the tree. Yeah. Catherine, is your husband listening right now? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, so you, you can't run to him later and say, <laughs> Your theory is all hooey. <laughs> okay. Well, that probably answers that, I guess. Thank you. Thank Thanks you very much. Okay, Catherine. And welcome to the show anytime you want to call about anything. And, Paul, thank you for your thoughts on that, too. Let's take one more caller here first. Uh, and let's remind people that yeah. Paul is here to hear bird That's stories. right. Anything you got going on. Because otherwise, I'm taking these gift certificates home with me. <laughs> That's right. Frank and I will fight over them. <laughs> okay. Then you can go get a bat house for uh, That's Halloween. Right. Well, we were talking about that. It's like this time of year is, I don't know, it's like the international week of the bat or something. So it's all about bats and supporting bats. Yes, they, they eat mosquitoes. I they love them. They sure do. Yeah. So um, I was reading something on, on the web the other day about there's a, a movement afoot to have uh, everybody install bat houses in on their property. So that the bats will have a place to hang out during the day and, of course, they'll come out at night and they'll zing around and eat all those mosquitoes that you're attracting with your outdoor lights. Right. You have so many things at your stores. My yeah. gosh. Uh, yeah, we have lots of bat houses, everything from very artistic Victorian style ones to very basic yeah. uh, ones that serve. But they all serve the purpose of helping the bats, give them a nesting area. And, and particular in urban areas where a lot of renovations are going on, mm. their natural habitats are often disturbed when we take right. the shingling off a building or off a house and uh, mm. or change the roof in a barn or something. Mm-hmm. And um, so lots of bats are out there looking for new residences. So Yeah. Yeah, so helping them any way you can is a good thing. And, of course, Halloween is a good day to even think about bats. Okay. Uh, we got to go to a uh, lady has been on the line here for almost 15 minutes now. Susan in Union, a little uh, spot near Port Stanley, oh, yeah. Ontario. Oh, hi. Good morning and welcome to the show, Susan. Hi, Frank and Charlie. How are you? Morning. Frank. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I have a few dahlia plants in my garden. And I really, um, I know you told, I've, I've listened to you before, I say what to do, but I can't remember. <laughs> How do you save the bulbs over the winter? So they've been frosted? Have you had um, fr- I don't know that, I don't know if they've, I've cut them back and they're still, they still look pretty good. Do you think it's too late to bring them in? Oh, not at all. No, what I was going to say is with the dahlias and with any of the tender bulbs, we wait until we've had a good frost so okay. that the leaves are, are just hanging their limp. Typically, uh-huh. they're black or dark green and they're ready to go to mush. Uh-huh. And that's when the, the bulbs are truly dormant. So okay. you get out your digging fork and you dig up all those tubers or rhizomes or whatever they might be, bulbs, up out of the ground. You yep. trim off that frosted foliage, you lay those rhizomes or tubers or roots, whatever they are, onto newspaper, 
in a dry location outside, so cool and dry. So it could be on a porch, it could be in a garage, a shed. So no rain, just keeping them cool, letting them dry down. A week or so later, you gently, um, very gently, just using your fingers, remove as much of the soil from the, the tubers that you can, because by that time it's quite dry and it'll come off. Right. And then it's just putting them away in a dark, cool location. With dahlias, I personally like to put them into a little bit of a moist peat moss or a moist potting soil, and then, you know, under the soil, but cool is important, like refrigerator-type temperatures. And, okay, could I put dark. them in the fridge, uh, in the fridge, in a... Uh, we've got a, a little fridge in the basement. Yep, you can. Just be careful of plastic uh, enclosure, okay. like bags and things. So um, like a pa- like a wooden or um, a paper box yeah. without um, putting them in um, um, peat moss. Yes, because when you open the fridge, the light's going to turn on. So you don't want them to get any light. So okay. just make sure they're in something. They're under. They're in the dark. They're kept cool. And check them every month or so. Make sure that they're not shriveling up and drying out too much, or they're not so wet that they're turning to mush. Okay, thank and you very much. Plant them up um, in February. My husband has a terrific bird story. Could he share oh, it with oh, you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, here he is. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Well... I was in my garage last summer, and I hear this ticking, and I look around and I can't find anything unless, until I looked up in the light, and here was a hummingbird oh. tapping on my fluorescent bulb. Oh, it, was, it was at night, yeah. and he was tapping, tapping, tapping. So I grabbed the, a ladder, mm-hmm. went up, to, and, and he, I, I, I grabbed him with my hands very, very easily, just scooped him into my hands. And I came out and showed my wife, and here's this bird laying in my hand, beat, tired. Yeah. So I carried him up onto the deck and set him on the kitchen, or on the, the deck table, the, our, 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 our table outside. Mm-hmm. And he laid there for a minute puffing and panting, mm-hmm. and then flew into the the vine here that we had, and every day, <laughs> that hummingbird came back yeah. to the feeder that we have. Oh, my perfect. gosh, great, great. What a great story. That's lovely. What is your first name, by the when way? He was, when he left, they left for the fall, mm-hmm. he came back and flew around and said goodbye. Oh, oh my gosh. That, I bet that you that's a... That Absolutely is a wonderful true. story. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So, don't so, hang up, please, because we want to get your much. we Wait, want to get your phone number. Yep. Oh, okay. So Sebastian's going to just speak with you, get your number, and then Paul will be in touch to get an address to send your you lucky winner of a gift certificate for the Urban Nature Store. Oh, good. All right. Yes. Thank you. Wonderful. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. I love that was your show. Thank oh, you. Thank you. That was a great story. My gosh. I yeah. know. Aren't hummingbirds okay. just yeah. that smart? Too, yeah, right? and hummingbirds are such friendly birds. Oh. They're tiny, but they're uh, like you can be sitting out reading, and if their feeder is empty, mm-hmm. they'll come and hover right in front of your face to yep. tell you it's time to. And they'll <laughs> make little noises too, yeah. eh? Little mm-hmm. chirp, chirp, chirp noises. Yeah. Like, it's like when they're dive, like you get two males coming to the feeder at the same time. They come zooming in and go, yeah. and it's like trying to scare the other one off. Yeah. And, well, well, the, some... the, the point about the males is important because a lot of people have one feeder up. Mm-hmm. As soon as they 
get one male coming to it, they should put a second feeder up right. because one male won't allow another male. Oh. He'll allow all his girlfriends to come over, That's but right. not, not, uh, the, not other the other guy. guys. They're very yeah. territorial with the, with the boys, uh, aren't they? Right, yeah. Well, and just so mm. – now, we didn't get Susan's husband's name, but we yeah. know they were calling from Unionville near Union. Port's – Union, Union, sorry, yeah. Union near Port Stanley. Yeah. So store locations for the Urban Nature Store. Now, of course, they could purchase over the Internet. Yes, urbannaturestore.ca, probably the most comprehensive uh, birding uh, nature website in Canada. In the world, uh, I bet. It's, it's got thousands and thousands oh, nice. of products. Wow. Uh, everything from bat houses to hummingbird feeders to natural uh, laundry detergents. Neat. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Neat. So uh, lots of uh, unique things there. But we do ship all across Canada. Okay, and perfect. they always have sales on. So free shipping for different uh, purchases hey. and things like that. So that may work better for them. But I will mention that the stores are located. There's one in Etobicoke. There's one in Leaside. And these are all sort of Toronto, GTA area. Mississauga, Oshawa, Pickering, Vaughan, Woodbridge area, and then there's also one in Buffalo. Well, Buffalo, New York is more For the our U.S. customers. And the U.S. Right. Terrific. So, okay. Yeah. So if you were one of the lucky winners of one of Paul's very generous gift certificates, you can shop online at urbannaturestore.ca. Okay. I'm going to have you both thinking I'm going completely nuts, uh, but <laughs> I, I have to interject here with... Oh, my gosh, my golly, it's time for mistletoe and holly. Okay, I don't get it. Okay, <clears throat> well, you'll get it momentarily here. Uh, because <laughs> That's what I like November, about Frank. November you know? is coming up. Oh, right, After tomorrow. that is December. That's oh, right. Hey, you know and the calendar. Then, Aren't you on the And then you have to get ready for those. The most exciting part of Christmas, yes. at least in our family, is. is are the little gifts, the little, uh, what do you call them, extra like stocking, stocking stuffers. stuffers. There you go. <laughs> and I've got the perfect solution. Oh. Sierra Sills Topical Spray that I offers know. unbelievably quick temporary relief of minor aches and pains in muscles and joints. It contains no artificial ingredients, just natural oils and a trace of Sierra Sill. Whether you have a sore neck, stiff back, or aching feet, just spray where it hurts, get immediate relief, and it's just perfect for sport kits purses and carry-on luggage and of it course stocking stuffers amazing yeah it smells like you fall out of a pine tree really right. it, i mean it's, it's kind of right oils. up the alley of the urban nature yes. store when you think yeah. about it because yeah. it does it's all made of natural oils and uh, or natural from plants it's an oil-based spray that you rub like because you, you, know, you got sore muscle well frank is out at the gym now i understand <laughs> he's pretty soon going to be getting a job there mm. i think yeah. teaching people how to get in shape and uh yeah so there's some stiff muscles finding muscles Perfect. you didn't even know you had i bet check it out and sierra sill sierra, topical spray and spray that's right so you can purchase that online at sierrasill.com or you can give them a call 1877-JOINT-14 s-i-e-r-r-a-s-i-l don't change the radio station just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And you know a couple of things that I, my little housekeeping rules, I forgot to do. I was so excited having Paul in the I studio. I know, here. you're all uh, thrown yeah. off your schedule. Yes, I was. But if, if you are indeed a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know. He's the good-looking young man in the next room there. <laughs> and you can see uh, him over the phone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he'll... he'll uh, Say, Frankie, uh, you got a first-time caller, and when I get you on the air, hey, you get the bell. You, you get to welcome to the show. Also, call early, call often, one question per call. There we are. Okay, I'm caught up now. 
Now, good thing we're halfway. Oh, more than halfway through the show. Might as well get it all out there at some point. Let's go to, let me see. Guelph. Oh, Thelma in Guelph is on the line. Good morning, Thelma. Good morning to you both and everyone who who you have with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Are you familiar with an oak leaf hydrangea? Yeah. One called ruby slippers. Okay. Beautiful plant. And it's gorgeous. I have one. I don't have ruby slippers, but yep, I imagine it's pink or red flowers, does it? Well, it actually goes in three stages. Mm-hmm. It starts off white, mm-hmm. then it goes to pink and white, and then it goes to burgundy red. Oh, lovely. It's a great and plant. The leaves on it are maroon. They are something to see. Well, they're green normally, right? They start green. Yeah, it's, yeah. They, in the fall, they go to a maroon. Color. I know they all turn. Yeah, but the leaves are magnificent. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a flower. Oh, one. Okay, you know why? No, because uh, oak leaf hydrangea sets their flower buds on last year's growth. So, meaning that the growth that grew this summer on this season on your plant is where the flowers will form next year in late, well, next late spring, early summer, it'll start to bloom. It's going to be on the growth that arrived this season. If we have a super cold, crazy, crazy, snow megadon cold winter (laughs) again, the flower buds will not form. They will either get frosted off or the new growth will be frosted off. And bottom line, you won't get flowers. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah. So, but it's okay. The, uh, it happens. You know, I have, I have no flowers on mine this year either, but then I had a lot of dieback. I had to trim it back quite a lot this past spring because of the dieback in the winter. And, of course, what died back is where the flowers would have formed. Right. So never worry when something like that happens. As long as the plant is happy and healthy, uh, then you have nothing to be concerned about. Well, that's and, good. I have a little tip about your bats. Oh, yes. Yeah. I had the occasion to find out I have moonflowers in the back. Mm-hmm. Well, um, these bats just love them. Yeah. They actually propagate the moonflower. Oh, well. So how do you find, you mean, they, how do they propagate? They fly right into the flower. Mm-hmm. They open it up just like they would a bumblebee. Uh, well, what are we doing? Interesting. So you watched them doing this at night. Yeah, I did. That's what's so cool about them. <laughs> because I'd heard, someone had told me that, and I thought, oh, you guys are all crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> a I'll good. i up and watch, and sure enough. Yeah. There Isn't must be well. some really sweet nectar in there for them. Well, I mean, keep in mind, moonflower is a genus called Ipomia, and that's the same as uh, morning glory, uh, which is like your sweet potato vine. I mean, they're all the same same genus. And oh. so, yes, indeed, there's some good, very, very nutritional pollen and nectar in there. And, of course, moonflowers by virtue of the name, they bloom at night. Nice. Yeah. And like yeah. morning glory, which bloom in the morning. Love those names that really, really are true. They really fit. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes people say, well, I have morning glory, but I never get to see the flowers. It's like, because they're at work all day. It's like, there you go. Don't plant morning glory. Plant moonflowers if you're at work all day. So good for you. That was great. That was something to see. Yeah. I, I would have believed it. I mean, how many people shy away from bats? 
That's happened. absolutely correct. Oh, so Thelma in Guelph, right? Thelma in Guelph was well, not going batty. No, she's no. not. And Paul <laughs> looked like good. Paul yeah, wanted was, to say something. I was just going to add that's that's one of the misnomers about bats is people are always afraid of them because we've watched too many Dracula movies. Yeah. Um, and they are a friendly um, uh, animal that's out there. They're actually very good in living in urban areas. And uh, the biggest challenge right now is that their habitats are uh, being destroyed. destroyed. And yeah. also they also have that virus that it prevents them from hibernating. And that's been diminishing the population a lot. Uh, so the big push on is just get up more bat houses so that they have lots and lots of places to propagate, raise their babies, mm-hmm. and, uh, and hopefully keep the population up. Good point. Okay, thanks for adding that. Yeah, and and so thank much. you. Thank, thank you, Thelma, very much for that call. Well, And also, you know, I was telling Paul, I just remembered. So there's a town in Holland. It's called Monster, believe it or not. <laughs> and Monster Holland has recently installed a bridge over one of the canals, mm. which is a bat colony bridge. It's all designed and engineered for bats to be able to live in the bridge well, there and you go. use it. It's real. It's very cool. They I recognize mean, the importance of that little beast. Well, oh, absolutely, and it's just so cute with a name like Monster too. <laughs> Gloria, um, let's see on our next line here from Curtis, Ontario, is anxious to talk to us. Hello, Gloria. Welcome to the show. Good morning, there, uh, Charlie and Frank. Mm-hmm. I love your show. It's very Thank helpful. You. Um, I have a, a new tree, a, a new vine, I'm sorry, uh, and it covers a medium-sized tree on my borderline. And uh, this year, it's the first time I've seen it, and uh, I'm, I'm calling about a name for it. Oh. Uh, in September, it has a brown pod full of seeds the size of a walnut, and it kills the tree. It takes all the moisture out of the tree, and... The tree is dead now. Um, have you any idea what a, this tree is it the called? Vines. Uh, is it Japanese? Um, <clears throat> well, there's kudzu vine. There's dog strangling vine. I'd have to see a photograph to to know what it is exactly. But like you said, it's just uh, it just showed up this spring and w- started going up the tree. Is that what happened? Oh, I can't hardly hear you. I wonder if, if it's my phone. No, no. Here, I'll speak more specifically into the microphone. Is that better? Can I get another phone? I'll tell you what, Gloria, why don't you hang up and turn up the radio, and Charlie will answer the question from there, okay? Oh, I will. Yeah, okay, dear. Thank, thank you very much. I turned it down. Okay, yeah. You can, you can hang up your phone, and uh, All right. there we go. Okay, so, right, so I was actually going <clears> to <throat> ask the question of, so not much, so much answer the question, but ask a question, uh, did uh, this vine suddenly just show up and start growing and start growing up the tree? Always, always be very uh, aware of and hesitant to allow vines to grow up trees. Mm-hmm. They, it, it's a rare situation where they both benefit from this situation. Not all vines are parasitic and will suck the life out of the tree, but just by virtue of the weight of the vine, the fact that the vine will be uh, blocking air and sun to the tree, uh, to some extent potentially even strangling just because of the the twining Mm -hmm. that many vines will do – Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of allowing any vines to grow up trees. It's just nobody really benefits from that at all. Vines can be nice on hydropoles. 
right? Beautiful on hydroponics. <laughs> it's a nice way yeah, to make just them. Not good on the trees. Yeah, kind of disappear. But yeah, I really, really avoid anything growing on trees. So, but Gloria, if you can send a photograph, um, and I'm happy to see if I can find a little more information. But yes, the two that come to mind are dog strangling vine and kudzu vine, both of which are huge problems and very difficult to eradicate. So it'd be nice to clarify what you've got going on. Excellent. Okay. There's a lady uh, online from, well, near London, Ontario, Sharon. And anyway, she has I a bet bird you she's story. from West Lorne. Remember? Oh, oh Sharon? Oh, maybe. Well, I don't we'll know. find out. I don't know. Okay. Once again, you spoke on me and went in an entirely different <sighs> direction. Sorry. Would you Sorry. just concentrate on what we're trying to do here? <laughs> I want to get a bird story, and we've got a bird story. Excellent. After these messages here on The Garden Show. There you go. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, I'm over my little tiff now. And, uh, <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we do have a bird story coming up right now. Sharon uh, in, uh, well, near London. Good morning and welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I have a fun bird story. Uh, we live in the countryside and, and we have an above-ground pool. And a few years ago during the summertime when we were out by the pool, we have uh, tree swallows uh, nesting in nest boxes that my husband has put up. And uh, these tree swallows would uh, take turns swooping down at the pool. I don't know if they were getting drinks or if they were getting bugs off the top, but it was so much fun to watch them come down and get drinks. And there was this one tree swallow that when it came down over the pool, I guess it would get a bit too low, and sometimes it would hit the water and kind of bounce a couple of times before he took off again. And uh, sometimes it would come way too low, and he would kind of splash into the water and kind of flutter around before it took off again. And it was so much fun to watch them coming down, I guess getting drinks off the water and swooping away. But this one was so funny. Thought he was a pelican, maybe. Maybe you know it it would come down and hit the water every time. It would have that same problem. It was so much fun to watch. Had he been eating fermented berries, maybe? (laughs) I'm not sure. Maybe he got at the grapes. I don't. Maybe he was body surfing, practicing. (laughs) Maybe I don't know. Maybe he had bad eyesight. I'm not sure, but uh, it was so much fun to sit on the deck and watch them. That's great. That's wonderful, Uh, Sharon. You have earned yourself that $25 gift certificate. And, uh, and I've got your phone number already. Yep, Sebastian's already yep. looked after that, and you've looked after it as well. So well, thank you, Sharon. Thank you very much. Thanks for thank calling you. in. Okay, thank you. call. That's a cute story. It is. And uh, we have more bird stories coming up uh, in a couple of minutes' time, but we do have Julia online from Milton first. Hello, Julia. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Uh, my question is, uh, when's a good time to um, cover up your bushes? What kind of bushes? Um, I have, it's not a, I'm not sure what the name of it is. It's, um, it's, it's almost like a pine tree, sort of a bush. It's a soft mm-hmm. type needle, but it's not, it's not really a pine tree. It kind of... Yeah, maybe it's a yew, perhaps? Yeah, that's right. Yes, I forgot. <laughs> that's okay. what it is. So they're about, uh, I covered them up last year, so I wanted to cover them up again this year. Uh, but I was just wondering, sort of, what time of the year? Like, is it too early right now, or should I wait till it gets colder? Oh, it's definitely too early. It's going to be 17 degrees next week. Well, that was my concern, yeah. Yeah, you don't want them covered when it's that warm, because then they're just going to bake inside the, the covering. But keep in mind, so you covered it last year, and you were glad that you did that, I assume, because you didn't end up with any browning on that plant Yeah, in they the turned out... Um, 
perfect. And I put a little bit of um, um, mulched leaves mm-hmm. around the base of it. Good. Good. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of covering when there's a potential for salt to spray onto evergreens. So road salt, if you're on the um, east side of a busy street, and of course the west wind is blowing all this airborne salt onto your garden, covering makes a lot of sense in that situation. And certainly the last two winters with such long, long, frosty, frozen ground, many of the evergreens really did suffer, and we had a lot of yellowing or browning. Um, but covering has its challenges as well. You can do damage with, with doing too tight of covering. So just be careful of that. So, yeah, and wait until it's good and cold. I'd say the soonest you're going to do any covering is going to be early December. Uh, and that's based on assuming that the weather does get cold. <laughs> we haven't even had a really hard frost yet. Yeah, yeah. my concern was also the um, um, if you get snow or, or mm-hmm. ice or anything like that, that the branches will start to open up and, and uh, possibly break. So that's why I like to sort of just enclose them. Right. And I do it loosely. They're not yeah. tightly. Yeah, it's loose like is important. A, an open mesh thing that I just put around them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the other thing is that you just string or open mesh, like fish netting kind of mesh, yeah. is a way if you're worried that the, the plant is going to peel open some of the evergreens the way they grow, they often don't shed snow very well. So there's that. So yeah, you're right. There's kind of a couple of ways to do it. If, if I can make a pitch though on mm-hmm. the other side, mm-hmm. uh, I, in lots of cases you do need to, to wrap the uh, evergreens, but from the little birdies perspective, mm-hmm. they use the uh, open uh, evergreens as protection during the winter. Mm-hmm. So if you have to cover them up or you don't have a lot of evergreens, one of the things I actually encourage people to do is put up little roosting pockets around so that the birds actually have a protective area to go to. Good point. When it's freezing rain out there, you can all, almost always find the little chickadees and uh, the tucked winter birds tucked in under the evergreens. the evergreens because that's their safety zone. You're absolutely right. No, they love cedars. And yeah, I, think- and I do actually. These are, happen to be small ones. Mm-hmm. Like I planted them a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So they're not really big enough for the birds to nest. I do have some other ones, bigger ones around the, uh, the property that I don't cover. Mm-hmm. And those ones I like that because I do put a feeder out in the wintertime. Mm-hmm, good. So I know the birds do go into those yew um, bushes. That's right. Yeah, it's not even so much the nesting. It's just that seeking shelter. Yeah, uh, uh, particularly when it's freezing rain yeah. out there. Um, the roosting pockets or evergreens are the lifesavers for a lot of the, uh, the our little feathered bird well, friends. Yeah, I remember last winter when the sun would come out... I have a cedar hedge that I'm looking at the south side of it between myself and my neighbor. And when the sun was out on some of those super cool days, uh, all the birds would line up on that warm side of the cedar hedge. And clearly they they were tucked in with the cedar at their back and the sun at their face and they were all hunkered down trying to stay warm. Yeah, sunning is a thing that the birds do all the time during the winter because it's uh, they either tuck in the cold or they spread out and get the sun warming them up in the wintertime. That's right. Exactly. Guys, we have another bird story on the way here momentarily. So just stick by. I just wanted to say that once in a while I use that analgesic topical spray on my ankles because I keep getting kicked under the table (laughs) from Charlie Dobbin. But but we do agree on one thing. Both of us take Sierra Sil, the three tablets. I take mine in the morning as do you, I think. Yeah. And it helps just 
kind of oil your joints. That's what keeps the keeps yeah. the, everything moving in working yeah. order and pain free. Exactly. Completely natural mineral supplements. Uh, yeah, taken daily. Both Frank and I have had good experience. Doesn't work for everybody, but you'll know within two weeks whether it's going to work for you. That's why the phone number is one eight seven seven joint fourteen, or go. check the web sierrasil dot com. S i e r r a s i l. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, going to, well, a caller maybe just around the corner here in Toronto. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Good morning. Oh, hi. Yeah. Oh, it's great to hear the gentleman from the uh, Urban uh, Nature Store. Yeah, welcome. Uh, just wondering, for the winter, uh, what's the best place to put the uh, bird feeder? I want to attract some uh, birds uh, over the winter. Is it the same as the summer place? Yeah, basically, I normally recommend people put up feeders so that they can actually see them from indoors. Uh, the birds will find them, whether they're five feet off the ground or eight feet off the ground or uh, in a tree or, or that. The one thing I do suggest, though, that's a bit different in the winter time for feeders is, one, make sure you put out a feeder that attracts a wide range of birds or a couple of feeders that will address different types of birds, so perching and clinging uh, birds, because the one thing that happens is you'll get a whole bunch of different types of birds flocking together, and you don't want them to get there, and only some of them can feed at the feeder. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure you've got a wide uh, range of uh, landing platforms for them. And the other thing is uh, very rich, uh, high-fatty uh, um, foods. I know we don't like to eat that ourselves, but the birds love it during the winter. So yeah. putting up some suet or adding suet uh, uh, pellets inside the uh, the bird seed just gives them that extra fat. Um, and and then high just sit, quality seed. And high quality yeah. seed. Uh, yeah, avoid the ones that have a lot of the red millet and the milos and things like that that the birds won't eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but just hang the feeder so that you can actually sit inside and enjoy them while you're sitting inside in toasty warm weather. They can <laughs> perform for you outside. Oh, okay, great. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. That wasn't so much a bird story, but it was bird-centric. So we qualify for the yes. $25 <laughs> gift certificate. And we, if we hurry along here, we're going to get, an, uh, I hope, a bird story here from Rose in Brighton. Good morning, Rose. Oh, good morning. I enjoy this show. I make sure I listen to it every week. Well, my bird story is, um, I don't know if you've ever heard it, years and years ago, a farmer lady, um, I was visiting with her, and all of a sudden we heard the blue jay screaming, and she said, oh, there's going to be a change in the weather. And you know, all these years, this is true. I have a lot of trees around where I live in Brighton, and of course the birds are there. But I'll be outside, and I hear the blue jay starting to scream back and forth. Now, you may not get the change right that day, but it'll be within a day or two. And if you've had lovely weather, look for something Hmm. different and vice versa. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that is so true. This was a long time ago when I was very young that she told me this, and it always stuck with me, and Mm. I'm a gardener and all the rest of it, so... And it does prove to be true. Wow. Yeah, as simple as washing your feeder. If you actually have been having a normal amount of birds visiting the feeder and then all of a sudden you get a 
big increase, uh, and the, it's almost like a frantic feeding, um, that's often an indication that a snowstorm's coming or a freezing rain or that the temperature is going to be dropping, and the birds are actually doing that last-minute fattening up. They, have a, they can project the weather much better than a lot I of our know. weathermen can. They're good forecasters. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other thing that you'll often see the birds do in advance of cold weather uh, or bad weather is actually putting a little stash of food away. Mm. Particular blue jays will do this. They'll come and they'll take your, their whole peanuts and put them all in a little corner and put a leaf over top to hide it. Uh-huh. And um, so one of the things I actually encourage people is if they come across that little stash of food, just leave it there because the birds will come back and they'll clean it up when, when they need the extra food. They're going to remember. Very they remember. Under- okay, yeah. good. Squirrels often don't remember, I find. No, but the blue jays often find the squirrel stash. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, they are I, clever. I Thank- do enjoy the birds. And just a little note here. I was looking out my kitchen window, which I'm doing right now, and I had a fox sitting preening itself in the sun the other day. Well, I'll be darned. And this is right in urban Brighton. Wow. (laughs) But I guess other people see them, too. Well, thanks very much. Thank you, Rose, and you've got... You've got yourself a uh, twenty-five dollar gift certificate from the Urban Nature Store. She's got some serious nature yeah, going on in her garden in Brighton. Good for her. Do you know, guys, nice. we're, the last minute of the show is we're well, upon there we it are. right well, now. Okay, so just quickly, maybe a Paul can tell us about plant skid for people oh, that are trying yeah. to protect anything from deer. It's a repellent for deer from deers and squirrel, etc. Yeah, it's what I actually use it for myself. Mm-hmm. Is it's called plant skid. It's a spray I put plant my bulbs, and then I put down wood chips, spray it right on there. And mm-hmm. what it does is it tricks the squirrels into thinking it's a kill zone where mm-hmm. they don't want to forage for food, and so they leave our bulbs alone. Mm-hmm. And then I refresh it in the springtime when they're starting to just come up. It was actually developed by the Swedish Forestry Service to protect against big elk. Right. And they found protect that it kept, yeah. kept elk and deer away, and then they found out that it works really well for squirrels and rabbits. And, and you were mentioning, too, that you spray along the uh, fence. Uh, where yeah, a lot of people actually spray it on the top of the f- fences so that the squirrels don't actually run towards their garden or yeah. towards their house and or things like so. the fence as a highway. Yeah. Yes. Good Thanks, stuff. Paul, so plant skid available at the Urban Nature Store, yes. both online and in-store locations. Yes. Thanks so much for coming, Paul. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. Thank you, Frank, You're Sebastian. Welcome, Charlie. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.